Welcome to the Digital Marketing Podcast, brought to you by TargetInternet.com. Hello and welcome back to the Digital Marketing Podcast. My name is Kieran Rogers and today, listeners, you join us when we're in a different space today. We're actually at the the Tate Modern uh, and I'm very excited uh, because we have with us a special guest. I'd like you all to meet Andy Leake. And Andy, how would you describe your work? Because I, I, I think you... Well, it's interesting what you do. It sort of straddles kind of marketing and, and artistry uh, in, in, in the same space, really. So just, just share with the listeners who you are and what you do. Yeah, well, I'd say also, I also wander into the sort of self-help territory. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm from an advertising background, so I worked eight years in advertising until the point where I fell out of love with the industry after getting brutally fired from my job. <laughs> Um, the the firing and the the end of my affair with advertising came about after pushing myself too far, pushing myself too hard in the role that I was doing, where I was working too long, partying too much, mm-hmm. getting too obsessed with, with 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 my job and the next pay rise, the next step up in the ladder. Yeah, and it I pushed myself too far, and I had a mental health problem, which. I had to take a month off work and then when I came back from that I realised that a big part of what had gone wrong was that I wasn't creating art mm-hmm. and I've always made art throughout my whole career in the gaps between advertising campaigns which there are plenty and I realised that actually making and creating is a big part of what keeps me healthy and keeps me uh, straight and narrow so when when I came back from the, the problem, I realized that I need to make art, otherwise things go wrong. So I, the only time I had to make art was my commute. And my commute at the time was an hour and a half mm-hmm. each way, which mm-hmm. is quite a, quite a hefty That's one. A considerable yeah, yeah, yeah. commute, yeah. And when something went wrong in the traffic, it could be longer than that because there was a bus ride involved. So I realized that's the time I had. That's, the, that's what I had to work with to make art. And um, <gasps> in London you look around at the commuters and you just see miserable faces because the commute's pretty brutal and <laughs> you really do and even on the way here today yeah. I saw plenty of miserable faces even not the commute just the yeah. tube itself can yeah, make people yeah. miserable yeah. so I thought I'm not I'm obviously not the only person here in London struggling sometimes with feeling feeling okay so I, I just started I thought well if I can make a difference to one person every day then that's that's that, that could feel good because when you help people it makes you feel good yourself so that's when I started putting notes in copies of the metro and leaving them on the seats for people to find and from the moment I came back from my uh, sabbatical my mental health break till the point I was five about six months and right. in those six months I left free free notes every day um, and I carried that on for about I'd say about eight or nine months overall of just putting notes in the newspaper without any kind of feedback. So what, what sort of notes were these? Obviously this is an audio podcast. We yeah, need to describe yeah. them to well, people if you haven't it, seen Andy's I mean, it's, um, it's anything from something a little bit silly, something stupid that might make someone smile to uh, advice about ways of thinking. So, I mean, the very first note I ever did was give this to someone you think is amazing. Uh, I just thought that was interesting 
someone reading their new metro and finding that and then thinking oh right so I've got to give got to go and give this to someone who, I, who they think is good or amazing and then that's going to stop you in your tracks or I thought it would do anyway stop you in your tracks and think about it and then you've got to pass that on to someone else but that was the first one ever uh, and then it, it went from everything from talking about dogs and food and sex and <laughs> drugs to everything you, you, like, your work has covered everything and yeah, yeah I think I mean, right from the beginning when you first started doing it, did you always use the hashtag notes to strangers? No, no, did that, that come that, along that a bit evolved, later? That right. evolved. Um, I mean, I think the first thing I called it was Metro Notes. Okay. For the first few posts, because it was in the Metro. Right. It, was actually, it was actually a little bit of a reaction against the Metro as well, <laughs> because I used to find the Metro made me miserable on the way to work because it was just so negative news can do that right? yeah. I find that yeah, I, I um, well, stopped listening to the radio on the way to work because it's just too full of grumpy men and women going on about grumpy things well it's it's easier to be negative than it is to be positive and uh, scare and fear is sells makes money Yeah. so I just it was a bit of a reaction against the metro uh, as in I used to read it and just it was just bad news bad news bad news horror story horror story yeah. so I like the idea of putting something positive yeah. in amongst all that and if you look at the very first ever ones, I used to pick out a really bad news story and put my note on top of it. Right, okay. So in the background, you can see something awful, um, and then on top of it is my me writing about squirrels or something. So, so where did the notes to strangers hashtag and, and Instagram come, come into the mix? Uh, I was just using it to, to sort of document it myself, and I think the, the hashtag kind of found its own way. Whenever, whenever I've started a project and don't know quite, not, quite know what, what to name it, I get it through feedback. So mm-hmm. I put it on my Facebook, put it on my Instagram, put it on my Twitter, and people just started responding, going, "Oh, I love your um, your Metro notes." Oh, okay, well, Metro notes is an interesting name. Oh, I love the uh, the notes, the notes, the stranger notes. And then it just evolves, and then suddenly you have notes to strangers, and it's like, "Oh, that, that's the name." It kind of finds itself. Um, but the hashtag, the hashtag, and when the Instagram really took off is after I'd been fired from my job and made the decision to, to pursue a career as an artist rather than advertising it gave me a lot more time to to think about how to approach things and I was in between I was in between another project so I was doing a series of portraits where I was using my Mac as a reference to paint from mm-hmm. and my Mac was broken so I had to send it to the to the Apple store to get fixed and I had a week until my Mac came back, so I couldn't work on the the, the paintings for a week. So I was like, "Oh, what do I do?" And I knew that the the notes, the Instagram, it was it was about a thousand followers at that point, um, growing very slowly. I was getting nice little bits of feedback here and there, um, but I, I always thought, "Well, I think some of the messages are quite good, but perhaps they're not reaching enough people." Mm-hmm. So that's when I went out one night and stuck up maybe seven or eight posters with the message, and then underneath it. Uh, Instagram notes to strangers and then the morning after I mean to start that was a rush in itself because it was like going out and doing breaking the law a little bit <laughs> doing something illegal and I used to go out with sort of baseball cap hoodie and hiding from cameras and stuff right uh, in the middle of the night as well like wow. two or three in the morning and it was an adventure it was like yeah. a, it was like a little adventure every night but anyway the first time I did it in the morning someone uploaded a picture of it uh, of one of my posters because I couldn't take a picture myself because it was dark right so I was going to plan to go back the next day and take pictures myself, but before I could do that, someone else took a picture and uploaded it and hashtags it. So I searched the hashtag. Uh, I think they have actually commented to me on it. Yeah. And I, that's when I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I like that this person's just become my photographer yeah. and he's shared it on his Instagram. 
So sharing something on Instagram is quite a big thing. It's a bit like a, a reflection of yeah, yeah. your uh, your own personality. And that's when I just thought, well, he's actually collaborated with me. This stranger has just collaborated with me. And then that's when it became, I left it for other people to find the notes and take a picture themselves. And that's when I reshare it on my account. Right, so most of the ones that you have, uh, they're taken by other people? All of them. Wow, All I them, never yeah. realised that. Yeah, it yeah. kind of turns it, I look back at some of the things that I was influenced by I think subconsciously and it's only when you look back you realise it but Pokemon Go I was yeah. in Dusseldorf yeah. before I, I, I put the posters up and there was two things in Dusseldorf that I think influenced it one was Pokemon Go and that was it was crazy over there like the, everyone was going mad for it so people told me that Nights of Strangers is kind of a little bit like that because you're walking around the city and you might see one and if you're the first one to take a picture you're going to get onto my feed and it's like a little game right. so it gamified it yeah. but also uh, when I was in Germany electrical boxes in Germany are used for poster space so they sell them as advertising space I came back to London I looked around at all these electrical boxes and they were all completely blank like, well there's my there's my spot um, I don't feel like I'm doing any damage to anyone's personal property with those they're, they're blank as they are so yeah. I, I, I just claimed them right. and um yeah, those, those two things, so the, the electrical boxes in Germany and Pokemon Go, I think, really influenced uh, subconsciously. I didn't realise it till recently, but right. it, it made a difference. And yeah, the, um, the collaborations with the strangers, it also gives away a little bit of the project to, to, every, to everyone who's ever taken a picture and made it onto yeah, my feet. You can be a part of it, right? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's possible for people to be a part of it, and I really like that. Not only does the, the good feeling spread, yeah. so by you sharing that you're spreading some positivity yeah. but it also means that my followers feel the part of the project and, yeah. and they, they feel that because they are it's like so many times you hear uh, in agencies and briefs of, uh, about involving people in what you do and it's always a it's always an uphill task for a brand because people don't want to be involved in advertising all the time. Yeah. But with, with what I'm doing, people love to be involved and I love them to be involved. And it's only, it only works, that kind of thing only works when it's genuine. I think when people are genuinely involved in it and I, I actually rely on them. So if, if, if no one takes pictures of my work, the project stops. It doesn't work. So, uh, so do, I mean, do, you, do all the notes get found? Or the notes that no, just no, go notes. straight. There's notes that go straight. There's, yeah. I think there's notes that get taken down before they can be found. Uh-huh. Uh, there's notes that last for ages without anyone finding them. <laughs> um, I think it, it, to start with, it was quite nice because it was a filter. Yeah. It was a filter of quality for me, so it's quality control. Yeah. So if if the notes were good, then people were going to take pictures and share them. Yeah. If they weren't, they were they were going to be left until the street cleaners take them down. What a fantastic way of getting feedback on, yeah, on exactly. your own campaign. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, so I didn't mind that some of them didn't make it because uh, I've got a million of them anyway. I can, all, I can just write. I don't, there'll never be an end to what I can write because I'm always learning. So I just put put what I've learned into them. But yeah, the, um, there are some out there still. I think that even never never got spotted and got taken down or are still up and haven't it's waiting to be found. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes it takes months. Wow. And then the crazy thing is sometimes it takes months. And then recently, one that took a few months to get noticed went crazy on my Instagram as one of the most popular ones ever. Really? I can't remember exactly which one that was. Uh, oh, I think it was, um, it was Try To Be Happy Now, The Future Doesn't Exist Yet. And that was up for months before anyone uploaded it. And then someone uploaded it and I was like, have I not shared that one? Yeah. I looked through my feed, I hadn't. 
and put it on that became one of the most popular ones ever so wow. yeah the people walking around walking past them never never noticing them sometimes <laughs> that's all right it's all good that is really really interesting one thing i wanted to ask you is there any is there any relevance with the color because they're on sort of no, luminous post-it no. note style posters the they? color the color is purely practical right so the color is just to catch the eye and just colors that i like um I really like bright colours. Yeah, and uh, it evolved. That evolved as well. They started off black and white, and I went to wrapping paper. So some of them had patterns, and now I'm on stickers, which I I completely control the colour of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just like I like the bright colours, and then I like the way that it looks on the Instagram when it comes through. But the 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 message has no correlation to the colour colour whatsoever. It's just purely practical as in I want to catch people's eyes so do, when you go out do you have an idea of what you're going to what you're going to do or do you sort of stick it up and, and create it or are they created in advance if you stick it up create, create it in advance create in yeah. advance okay. so I'd write I'd write in advance I tend to write the night before so I've got an, I've got like an overnight test and they're not always perfect so sometimes in some of them I can see you've kind of changed the yeah, letter yeah, slightly yeah. Or, or gone slightly wrong yeah I, I just um, I mean the thing I love about art is there's no rules. So if I make a mistake, I mean these these, these stickers cost me two pounds each. Right. What? So if I make a mistake, I can either throw it away <laughs> or I can just scribble it out and write something over the top of it. Yeah, yeah. And people, it's it's one of those bizarre things that uh, the mistakes actually sometimes add the character. And do you know what they help it stand out a bit more because when things are perfect, yeah, you yeah, them yeah. Almost. yeah. Well, I mean. Uh, I think that if, if if what I was doing was designed, I don't know if it'd work. I think that there's the, the handwriting that, is a big that, part of it. As well. It's a big part of it. I, I'm I don't know. I've spent probably way too long thinking about this because we've, we've we organised this catch up a couple of weeks ago. Um, but I, you know, I love. I think one of your notes um, was sort of talking about uh, words being being art, and actually, that's a big part of help me to understand what what you do in, in that you do sort of paint with words in in, in many respects but, uh, but also there's a lot of emotion in there as well but the, you know that's embedded into the, yeah. to the words and how they're constructed well i mean if if when i when i first joined when i started advertising and if you spoke to me about this when i was at school there's no way in a million years i would have believed you that um, writing would be the thing that caught on from from what i do because i'm dyslexic Right. And when I was at school, I used to find it really difficult um, and had no confidence in my writing because of my dyslexia. So my handwriting used to get me in trouble, which is ironic. Yeah, you, you and me off. both. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then my first love in art was painting. So that, that was the first thing that I ever did that I had a talent for. And mm. someone told me, an art teacher pulled me aside and, and showed me my painting and said, uh, your painting's because I finished it and, and it was different and I could see it was different from everyone else's and I thought that meant it was bad and he told me no it's different because it's better um, look at the, everyone else's they've all followed this thing you've done your own thing and it, it looks like this um, so I never expected words to be to be my to, to be what caught on in the way that they have I mean all my other art projects there's words involved in them but a lot of them had nothing to do with that so so you come from an advertising and marketing yeah. background. Um, you know that was the, the day job for, for, for many years. You've done, guys. If you not hooked out Andy's earlier work within advertising, you should. I really enjoyed the, the film series you did for Comedy Central, which are very, very funny um, sh- short clips. 
Do you see yourself as a marketer or an artist, first of all? This is a bit of a several-part question. Yeah, I yeah. well, I think, I think that when I, when I launched into... I just said to myself, right, there's people that have forged careers and lived a whole life just making art and mm-hmm. making money from it, so why can't I? It took me a while to figure out that marketing and branding and art are kind of all wrapped up together. Mm. So my background in advertising, eight years of sitting down every day and coming up with lines and coming up with strategy and branding and ideas is actually the perfect training for um, for, for being an artist because if you look at all the biggest, most successful artists, they all, they're all great at branding too. And you realize that branding is actually embedded in what you do because without it you don't have the reach you don't have the uh, the audience and your work just will go unnoticed and it can be brilliant but if it's not noticed then it's, it's pointless so I mean I'm fascinated with how your brand kind of grew up and that's really the story you've just shared with us and it is a brand you know it's a very yeah, distinct yeah. Uh, identity um, that you've that you've created and it's not it's not obviously you create the, the work but then it's it's fascinating for me that the your audience are participating in it and, and, and they're a huge part of that and that's for me that's the sweet spot on branding that's the whole point really it's, it's something that lots of people can identify with and, and you kind of feel how, how I mean just share with us kind of what have been your successes in creating that as a brand I know it wasn't necessarily your, your intention to begin with uh, but just explore well, that brand that you've you've created because you've got you've got how yeah. many followers on Instagram now it's 70 71 yeah um, 71,000 yeah I think that when I mean looking back at my advertising career whenever I was coming up with an idea for a brand you have to get under the skin of that brand you have to learn what makes that brand unique to be able to make it stand out and the theory is that uh, every every I mean it's not quite true with companies but with people, everybody's unique. So everybody's completely unique. So all it was a case of was sharing myself, sharing my personality uh, in an unfiltered way, in an honest way with the world. And by doing that, because I'm unique, you're unique, everybody listening is unique. If you've got the courage to actually share yourself and pay your soul to the world, you're going to stand out as a brand because you're going to be unique. Um, and that's essentially what it all I've done and I think people people might think that art can be easy and uh, I describe it as 15 jobs at once and that's just the logistics that's just the logistical side of things you've got to be everything you've got to be doing um, everything from production to uh, strategy to client relationship to sales to uh, the actual craft itself but the hardest thing about it is that you are just exposing yourself completely vulnerable to the world you're just you're showing your soul and you're saying to the world here here it is and then it's up to the world to 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 respond so yeah so branding i think i think branding can be a dirty word especially if you're talking to in within the art world but it's it's just a part of life it's like you can't avoid it it's if you if you if you try and avoid it um you can't anyway. I, I can't think of one major successful artist that isn't isn't a brand. I mean, you, yeah, like, yeah. you know, we're here at the Tate Modern. We're surrounded 
but mm-hmm. they've got a Picasso uh, exhibition coming up. They've just done the Digliani. The artist becomes the, the shorthand for a whole back, back yeah. catalogue of work, don't they? And it's also the value that you put on the, the price of the work is the, the value of the artist's brand. But I think that just like with, just like with businesses and with companies, it only works if it's authentic, yeah. if, it's, if it's genuine. And the the thing about I mean the thing about notes to strangers is that it wouldn't work if I didn't genuinely want to try and make a difference to people's days. Yeah. So I, I think about the um, I talked to some people about this, and there's a there's a scene in Harry Potter where uh, he's his godfather's just been killed, and he and he, he throws a curse at one of the the baddies, and Voldemort comes in and goes, "You've got to mean it, Harry." I think about that. Like, if you want to do something positive, yeah, and you want to actually make a difference, you've got to really mean it. Yeah, because uh, if you don't, then people see through it really fast. People are uh, really, really smart. People have really strong bu- built-in bullshit detectors, yeah. and yeah, they yeah. spot exactly you know, insincerity a, a, a mile off of things. Like that. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's uh, so I'm finding it I'm finding it interesting to try and tread the line between building my brand as an artist but also speaking openly about me building my brand as an artist yeah yeah because uh, it is something that's conscious I think it's ingrained in me from my training but yeah, absolutely so I mean where do you get your ideas from where do you seek inspiration um, well f- uh, there's everywhere is the is the first answer uh, absolutely everywhere so everywhere from conversations to books to films to uh the news to sporting events to um, it could be it could be a moment in a shop so there was like a moment in a shop where a lady there's two ladies in front of me and one of them dropped something on the floor I think it was I don't know if, I think it was like a card it wasn't like an, an important card and the other lady in front of me who was just behind her stopped her and gave her the card and she said oh thank you so much and I saw the, the, the lady's face and she was so happy she was, she was buzzing off having helped that, mm. that other lady in a really small way and that, that, that becomes, a, that becomes a, a note so that goes from me seeing that happen to helping people get you high because it does it's like it gives you a little buzz um, but apart from that I mean there's inspiration for there's inspiration for the individual notes but then like <laughs> I talked to the only person I really talked to about was my brother because he's a fan as well uh, but I take a lot of uh, inspiration from mixed martial arts right, the okay. world of UFC because yeah. one of my best friends at university was a fighter and he when he was we, when he started he'd only go in a few months and he asked me to train with him and I joined him and we trained together for a bit and I was awful and he was awful as well and I, I remember thinking well this this is never going to go anywhere you, you, if you follow this through you're going to be in a cage in your underwear fighting in front of <laughs> in front of 5,000 people and you can get you can get beat up really badly yeah. So I never really took it seriously, but my friend did, and he t- he went all the way up to British champion, and then he had a fight with uh, a fighter called Conor McGregor, who everyone will know now, and he lost. But having watched my friend Dave go from in his garage holding pads really awkwardly mm-hmm. all the way through to fighting Conor McGregor, I then followed Conor McGregor's career, and I've seen how he's created his 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 meteoric rise and I take a lot of inspiration from the way that he is and the way that he uh, he handles things because he he leapfrogged everybody through uh, through his 
through his talking mm. and through his risk taking and through his uh, his actions and that's that's kind of my plan that's how I approach that's how I'm approaching the art world I don't want to go in and work my way up uh, going to applying to this competition going to this small thing going doing this small thing doing that small thing I want to try and leapfrog and get right to the top as fast as possible can, and you can see that in your notes to strangers a lot of encouraging people to 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 take risks yeah just, just explain yeah. for us your philosophy on on risk taking the philosophy oh, risk taking because i think it's interesting if you're a like a lot of brands just play it safe all well, the that's, time that's a risk in itself interesting so yeah. playing it safe is risky in the long term yeah uh, because it's a slow death <laughs> yep and I think that one of the most frustrating things about my time in the advertising industry was the fear of risk and you just you know that inst- instead of taking one big risk a calculated risk that can make a difference the, the risks that can actually make a difference are very very rare rarely taken and you actually just go for the short term uh, why do a big brand like do a big brand exercise when you can do a product ad that's going to shift X amount of whiskey bottles in, in the next week but that is just short term and you're just constantly papering over the cracks so uh, I, I just view risks as part of life and they're inevitable and um, as long as it's not a risk that ever risks your life what's, what, what have you got to lose? I, really interesting is I'm, yeah, I, was, um, I was chatting to one of our guests we've just had on recently um, a chap called Philip Story and he was saying that fear this wasn't actually in the recording but he was saying to me beforehand that fear is one of the most useless of, of human emotions mm. because actually unless it's life or death you shouldn't just, really be scared no. exactly it just, it just kind of holds you back no I think that uh, the root of it is ultimately the capitalist in capitalist system because we the fear is if I do a campaign that's going to ruffle some feathers, that might be controversial and might not land the way we want it to, I could get fired. And then how do I get another job? Uh, I've got a mortgage to pay. I've got repayments yeah, on my car. Yeah, yeah. That's that's ultimately where the fear is. Yeah. And it's everybody looking out for um, looking out for their own interests a little bit. Yeah. Whereas the people that actually make a difference and the people that actually live the really interesting, exciting lives are the ones that are, aren't afraid to take those risks and aren't afraid to, to to do things that could get you in trouble or to do things that could get you fired. Uh, and ultimately, it comes down to how much how much of how much you want to live your life. If you want to live as exciting and as interesting as possible and get to the and get to your funeral with a gazillion stories to tell, <laughs> then you've got to take risks. Otherwise, uh, you're going to be it's not going to be as success. It's not going to be as fun. And ultimately, that's what it's about for me. It's all about trying to have fun. Well, you wouldn't have been on this amazing journey that you've been over the last few years without taking some of those risks, right? Uh, no. No. <laughs> no, not at all. So what have, what have been some of the highlights for you? Highlights? Uh, in, in terms of the journey that you've been on with this? Um, it's interesting. Uh, it's really difficult to look back because I feel like I'm still... I'm still on this ride mm. so I'm still hurtling towards whatever it is I'm hurtling towards mm-hmm. so it's difficult to stop and look back but I mean highlights I think there was a moment when the BBC featured when the BBC featured my work and 
it was it was completely by accident that I was at home. But when I um, when I told my dad that I was leaving advertising to become an artist, he was very very skeptical, and yeah. he's very risk averse. I mean, I don't know if he's risk averse. Maybe it's just that I'm so risk. I'm so risk taking that he seems risk averse compared to me. <laughs> but anyway, he um, he was very anti that plan and anti me doing that because he knew that uh, I was turning my back on uh, good salaries and yeah. a career that I built over eight years. And then when the BBC news broke, I happened to be at home. So in the morning, I took my phone and said to my dad, "Well, this is the BBC thing. Look, and we watched it together, mm-hmm. and it was. I was like, that's the BBC website. So that's like." a million people are watching that right now um, that was a moment um, and then I think from that point onwards he's, he's come around to the idea and now I, can, I mean he's always been supportive but he's, he was always like oh you've got to you've got to keep your uh, keep your contacts warm got to got to keep your backup plan ready and I'm like if I'm think if I'm focusing on backup plan I'm not focusing on going forward mm. and that's just energy directed away from where I need to be going so that was a moment that was a really really nice moment because it wasn't, it wasn't like, ha, I told you so. It was, oh, do you know what I'm doing? And yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make this work. And it was a moment where it felt like it was, it was coming true. Because yeah. for so long, for so long, it didn't feel like that at all. It's just me and my will keeping it going and my sheer bloody-mindedness to, to refuse to take jobs, which started to come, offers started to come in. Uh, very, very lucrative offers. Because, of course... It felt like I got rejected by the advertising industry when I got fired because of because they thought I was weird. And I was I was pushing too hard, taking too many risks, and then I started making art, and those art projects started getting in the news, and then the advertising industry suddenly was all over me, of course. And it took a it took a it took a major job offer and saying no to it to really spare me on because I realised upon saying no that I have to really go for this now, otherwise that that will be a mistake. So it's either it was in my hands to make to, to prove whether that was that me saying no to that job was a mistake or a um, a moment to, to a launchpad moment or a moment where it really did get serious. You're a living proponent of taking your dreams more seriously. You know, I've seen that in a lot of your work. Should more people do this? And what's the potential outcome for our listeners if they? do start acting upon their dreams and taking things Well, I'm dangerous. I always say I'm a dangerous person to talk to for anybody in a job because I'm going to tell them to quit. <laughs> and uh, I, I, people speak to me too, too long and they start going, hmm, what can I do? What, 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 can I, what can my escape plan be to, 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 to a more, uh, more meaningful... Uh, happier place. Uh, yeah. more, more happier, less stressed, uh, more exciting day-to-day existence. I think that, I mean, it's impossible for everybody to do it because you have to be a bit insane. You have to have that like little bit of insanity in your within you to believe it's possible because whatever it is, if it's starting a brand from scratch to, to, to the point where it's a hundred million pound company or launching yourself as an artist and trying to make yourself a, a brand in the art world like they're really really difficult really impossible tasks when you start out so you kind of need that self-belief to the point of insanity uh, but I think it's better even if even fail it's better to have tried and to, to have given it everything because that in, in itself will make you a happier person and you're, you're, 
there'll be less you can look back and go well I, I gave it everything and it didn't work out uh, and that in itself sets, spins you off on a um, on an interesting ride I mean one of my best friends one of my best friends was going nowhere in his uh, like retail job he was an illustration student uh, I was at university with him and one day he just had enough he was working minimum wage pretty much sort of in his mid-twenties and I, I was always pushing him to try and do something and he, he launched into becoming a sculptor and he really gave it everything and he worked and he was, he was pushing towards his 10,000 hours of where you can master mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. and he never, he never fully made it to that point but the, when he started he was living a very he wasn't very happy it was clear he was, he was struggling sort of just getting by uh, highlight of his week was going to the pub with his friends getting drunk uh, no girlfriend uh, no girlfriend on the horizon him launching into that sculptor career suddenly made suddenly gave him purpose and it like brought about it it, it brought the spring back into his step and mm. the spark within his personality it came back and then we were on a tube on the tube one day uh, from sort of central London to Brixton and from Stockwell to Brixton we were playing hang tough on the on the rings you know the gladiator thing yeah uh, where you try and knock each other off <laughs> and then after that after we'd done that we sat down and there was a girl sitting opposite us and I noticed her smiling at my friend Al so I was like Al she, she's smiling at you really loudly <laughs> so um, she was putting some makeup on so we leant forward and um, he said can I have some makeup too and she put some makeup on him and that, as we were leaving I said Al ask her for a number <laughs> and he asked her for a number well he uh, she didn't, he didn't ask but she just started singing her number to him yeah. and two minutes later they were on the escalator kissing they're now engaged to be married wow. and uh, have a little girl um, and but the thing is that when when they went on their first date after the drunken sort of snog and the, the, the meeting on that night he was talking all about his sculpture and right. his dreams as a sculptor right. so even though now he, he's not doing sculpting he's way happier than he was because because he because he was just a far more interesting, happy person when he met this I, this lady. I think so. I see that all the time. People's dreams, ironically, make them come alive when yeah. they, when they yeah. talk about them and share them. You see that that spark. Yeah, the that, passion comes that out. Passion, that enthusiasm that come, kind of comes through is is unbeatable, and it, and and they start to sparkle. Literally. Yeah. yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't matter. There is no point of achievement when you're chasing when you're, when you're chasing something because it's always success is never final and failure is never fatal so it doesn't matter if you don't ever get to the point where you set out to get to um, it's to, it's the trying that makes the difference it's the the striving that is going to change your life because uh, it really will and it, and you, you find that you aim for something and you miss mm. a lot of the time so you, you might aim f- aim to, 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 to do this or to build this company but the you miss and it actually gets more interesting when you miss and you end up on these interesting journeys and tangents it, it is but so often we're focused on the end destination and that's never the point in well, my they, experience they, they, the, the you, journey you never get is so that. much more because you do never get that no part. you never get that you never yeah. actually get to that point um, because if you're ambitious then you've got the curse uh, <laughs> let's talk about this curse of ambition which is the the curse of ambition is that because you're ambitious when you do achieve something, you're just thinking about what's next, and you can never be like completely satisfied. Uh, and I think that for me, in the last few months, I've really taken time out to um, 
to enjoy the fruits of my labor a little bit. And that's not, for me, that's not like going out and spending lots of money. That's just me reconnecting with just what I do with my art and not focusing on, um, not focusing on bringing in money, not focusing on what's my next step in the, in this, uh, in this plan to sort of hijack the art world. <laughs> it's, it's not about that. It's like, it's been trying to, to, to sort of, to quell my ambition a little bit because otherwise you can get there too fast and you get to the you get to the summit of uh, where you've been trying to get to and you realise you haven't actually enjoyed yeah if you race there and just got out of there, breath and didn't enjoy the view like what's the trying point? to enjoy every little step of it and every uh, every moment on the way to it and just, just it's really simple things for me after having worked in advertising um uh, waking up to an alarm and having to commute it's just really some things like not setting an alarm that's that's bliss to me and um, just spending a few weeks doing nothing other than uh, making making art and writing and um, running my Instagram so I close my shop when I feel like it, if I don't need the money for if I don't need the, the income I don't need the capital then I will close my shop and just focus on making the, the art because that's that's why I do it everything else is geared around giving me the freedom to create and the freedom to live a uh, as happy and as stress-free life as possible obviously obviously there's good stress and bad stress <laughs> and I am going to launch into some new crazy stuff pretty soon I don't know what that is yet but I can feel it it's yeah. on the horizon great you've got some really interesting views on passion projects which very often these are sort of projects that people in business have that, that aren't earning yeah. any money but they, you know, this, that's the thing where my passion is just share those with us because I think they're well, really interesting I mean the thing about passion projects is that I don't like them being called passion projects mm-hmm. because I think that it makes it sound like your hobby and it makes it sound like a cute little thing you do for your CV mm-hmm. uh, when actually the things you do on the side that you do because you love them are the things that are going to change your life they're the things right yeah it's it's you get caught on this sort of wheel of right next pay rise next next big client that we win next big project you get caught on this sort of wheel uh, this sort of treadmill and it's really difficult to get off and you, you can years can go by and never never have taken taken the leap and done something you really really love and really care about um, but it's it's those things it's the it's the silly little idea that you're embarrassed to tell anybody it's the it's that interest that you have in something that you you only tell your very close friends because you don't want people to judge you. Mm. It's those weird little things that are going to spin your life off into the most interesting uh, and rewarding direction, I think. And so you now make your living through your art? Yeah. Yeah. So how, how does that translate into a, into a business? How can kind of leaving notes to strangers... <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> translate I mean, into a life, I mean, it was, lifestyle it was, business? It was bizarre. It was... Um, when I started it, there no way in a million years would I have believed that I could make any money from it, let alone enough income to live in London. Well, and that was never your goal, right? No, no, no. no. Yeah. It was, um, and I think that because it wasn't my goal, that's why it's working. Right. Because, it, and it, it still is, the, 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 the actual intention of the project is not, it's not about the money. The money becomes a practical, it's a, it's a practical element of it, which means I can do more I can I can have more influence so the bigger the budget I have the more people I can reach the more spectacular things I can make so it becomes a it becomes a practical element of becoming an artist but the the income started when a brand approached me to 
take over their windows. So Brown's Fashion approached me mm-hmm. and said, we want you to take over our windows for Fashion Week. Mm. And you can do what you want in our windows. And they paid me a commission. So all of a sudden I had a, um, I had a chunk of money from something that I never imagined in a million years would. And then from that, it led to uh, selling, started selling stuff on a Shopify account, which is linked to my Instagram. Yep. So I started selling stickers. And the first time I ever sold a sticker, um, I was really, really nervous because I just couldn't believe that anyone would ever pay for my art. And then I went, I put my shop online and I put the stickers on sale and they were £14 each at a time. Mm-hmm. And I went to the gym and then I felt a buzz in my pocket about 15 minutes into the gym and I was just ecstatic. I was just like bouncing around. I was so happy. I could not believe that a stranger had paid for my work. Yeah. And it evolved from there really. So it started off with stickers and the idea, because I, I always struggled with the idea of making money from the project because I used to feel like it would infect it and it wouldn't be um, it would uh, the purity of it wouldn't remain Um, but so originally it was the idea was people could buy stickers which they could then go stick up wherever they are Mm -hmm. and and a few people did Mm -hmm. but the problem was that people weren't sticking them up they were just keeping them putting them on their wall and framing them (laughs) so from that I thought well if that's what people are doing then there's no point in me selling the stickers I'll just sell artwork next to strangers artwork and then I got a message from someone who wanted to buy a painting from me and then uh, I think I saw my first painting was a thousand two hundred and it was just a, a canvas painted in one color with writing on it with the notes to strangers and it went from there so now I sell uh, A4 notes for 60 pounds each uh, through my Shopify and um, sell bigger posters paintings um, and I'm open I'm always open-minded towards collaborations with brands that's proving tricky because I've been approached by major major household names uh, but they've always asked for sponsored posts or for a message like a co-branding thing within my artwork and I just have to say very 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 early (laughs) very quickly no because it's an art project and it's not how it works so the the reason it worked with Browns was because they didn't have any input in the content of the notes right so they just gave me the platform and my work next to their shop brought in people to take pictures and it brought in interest and it brought in PR uh, and, that, and I worked with them again and they gave me an exhibit space and the same sort of thing where they didn't have any creative say over the, the contents of the notes because if I was going to give up creative say that's advertising and I'm not in advertising yeah, yeah. advertising or advertorials it's just not it's, ne- they, they, no. they, it's like trying to mix oil and water it just doesn't no, just doesn't no it's, um, it's an art project that uh needs to remain uh, I need to complete creative say over so it's interesting because brands come up with different approaches and they might try and get around what yeah. I say and say well what about if we wrote them together <laughs> and I'm like well I've worked in advertising I know how these things work it does it's like in theory it's great in practice it's you, never going to work I would turn the, the lights on them I'd say how would you feel about me placing my face inside your logo <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and watch yeah. them you know recoil yeah. in horror and that's yeah. kind of the same, same thing really isn't it it's, it's a branding thing yeah I mean it's, a, it's an interesting challenge that, that um, only when brands figure that out do I start entertaining the idea of working with them yeah um, because notes is not about me it's not like when you start a company you can have a very legitimate goal to build that company to the point where 
it's worth a lot of money and you sell it to a bigger company. Mm -hmm. like, that's mm -hmm. fine in business because it's business. It's about, it's about capital. That's never the case for me. It's, as an artist, you can never do that because you can't buy an artist's brand. You can't buy the company. It doesn't work. Uh, the, 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 artist, uh, the artist's creation is the brand itself. So you can't, you can't actually, it's not for sale. So I have to figure out a way of, of scaling up my business and scaling up my income to the point where um, I've got the budget to, to create the projects, the kind of projects I want to create without that without giving I can't give I can't sell I can't take investment because I can't give away any kind of creative control mm -hmm. because ultimately if if I was interested in that I wouldn't be I wouldn't be launching into trying to make my make my name as an artist I'd be still in advertising I would be starting an advertising agency yeah. um, and that's not what I want to do so what do you think's next for, for you as an artist and, a, and, a, and your brand I don't know and that's, <laughs> that's the best that's the best thing fantastic well it's been so interesting chatting to you That's we've right. covered a lot of ground there um, but if we want to find out more about you and your work and maybe get in touch and commission something from you how do we go about it where do we go what do we do uh, Instagram is a good place because my, my email's linked up so if you want to if you want to get in touch uh, it's best it's best to approach me via email because my direct messages get swamped mm -hmm. so my email's linked up to uh, to my Instagram and my shop is linked up to my Instagram everything it's just uh, it's notes to strangers which it's quite funny recently I did when I did my exhibit one of the people I was working with from the brown side of things looked at the exhibit which was 260 notes and hanging from the ceiling three massive paintings three posters um, a big blurb about me all of them with Instagram notes to strangers obviously because that's my work mm -hmm. and she said to me oh, you haven't got your uh, you haven't got your um, how are people are going to find out about you how are they going to get in touch like, well, <laughs> it's, it's built in there <laughs> yeah, yeah. so I don't really worry about people being able to get in touch with me cause you, you are I, I think within about half an hour me deciding I wanted to get in touch I found a way yeah it's, it's, easy, pretty, easy. it's pretty, easy, pretty easy which is also why it's pretty easy for the police as well if they <laughs> And on that, have you ever have you ever had any any trouble? No, I mean I've been caught. I've been caught three times. Yeah, uh, the first one was in Paris. Yeah, I explained the, the the project idea. The French police are quite scary. They have like guns uh, and dogs. Yeah, and yeah, and it was it was a, it was a van as well. So wow. eight of them got out and wow. surrounded me. Wow. Um, they asked me what I was doing, yeah. and they asked me where my passport was. I said it's at the hotel. <laughs> um, I explained the project and they let me go. Right. Okay. I just said take it down. And then in London, I got caught, and same similar thing. They just said. I explained the project and then they they just let me go. I think that police are people, yeah, yeah. and um, what I'm trying to do, uh, it's going to take a pretty cold-hearted policeman to go through all the hassle of arresting me and writing up a report and all that stuff um, for something fairly minor. I say that touch with, but. <laughs> well, look, I wish you the best of luck Thank with you the upcoming projects, and I really hope. That as a result of this interview somebody gets in touch with something really exciting yeah I mean I'm always into. always open minded always uh, but it's not easy it's, it's, it's a little creative challenge to figure out something that could work well Andy thanks so much for your time no worries thanks for having me Thanks for listening to the Digital Marketing Podcast brought to you by Target Internet. 
If you're investing in your digital marketing skills, take a look at our free benchmark skills test and look at the wealth of online learning we provide to help marketers get up to speed and stay up to date. Just visit targetinternet.com forward slash benchmark.